What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey everyone, it's Luke. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Titan Size Podcast. Be sure to stay tuned to the very end of the episode because we'll have an interview with Titans receiver and kick returner Darius Jennings, who currently leads the NFL in kick return average. So again, be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode for that interview. I hope you enjoy our Texans preview episode. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Hope everybody had a good holiday on Thanksgiving. We're back to preview the Titans' upcoming matchup on Monday Night Football against the Houston Texans. Uh, this is a team we previewed before. Obviously, everyone that's going to be listening to this and the three of us are very familiar with the Texans because they play the Titans twice a year and they just played them a few weeks ago and it's pretty much the same team. So I'll start out as this. Uh, Will and Matthias, you guys kind of give us an update on where the Texans have gone since we last saw them. And I feel like, Will, your analysis will be a little more uh, critical. Uh, the Texans are on absolute fire. So they've won seven straight, I believe. Uh, just an absurd number, which you don't see happen in the NFL, uh, especially with teams like the Texans, who aren't great, They're but they're not bad. They're they're kind of just an average to above average team. Um, and they're just surviving on luck and their defense being very good. So over the last two games, they've played the Broncos and the Redskins. Uh, the Broncos game, Vance Joseph had an absolute brain fart at the end of the game and decided to settle for a 50-yard field goal for Brandon McManus. Spoiler alert, they missed, and they lost the game. So that was very dumb. The Texans shouldn't have won that game. And then against the Redskins, uh, before Alex Smith horrifically broke his leg, um, he was pretty much throwing the game. 
he he, he was playing terribly. Uh, ended up throwing a, a hundred two yard pick six uh, that the Texans ran back. Um, and then uh, I, Cole McCoy came in, and they probably should have won that game. Something happened. I can't remember. I got pretty heated about it. On oh, they called a ridiculous uh, pi or holding against. Uh, Josh Norman on DeAndre Hopkins. It was just an absolute phantom call, and it extended the drive, and it allowed uh, Fairbairn to kick a 50-plus-yard field goal, uh, and they ended up winning that game uh, because Hopkins missed like a 63-yard uh, attempt at a game-winning field goal. So they, the Texans shouldn't have won that game either. So I think this streak has been a little fluky, to be honest. That said, they're 7-3. and three, They're top of the uh, AFC South. And this game's on the road, so it's definitely definitely for the Titans. Yeah, I mean, so I think we all know my opinion on J.J. Watt and the fact that the NFL scheduled uh, four games in a row or something where Watt got – they didn't know, obviously. But where uh, J.J. Watt got to beat up on third-string offensive tackles and sack terrible quarterbacks for a while, like – that I hate that because it got him back into a rhythm and now he's playing well. And Jadavian Clowney is playing probably his second best year ever uh, behind last year when he had Vrabel. So, they, I mean, they're rounding out into form, which really hurts the Titans. But other than that, I mean, they're just Hopkins and a bunch of dudes. They have the worst offensive line in football still. Uh, they have a quarterback who's throwing, uh, I think, Top top five for sure um, interceptions per attempt. So, which is basically saying he's throwing the ball very poorly, um, and you know, obviously throwing picks. So that's bad. Um, Demarius Thomas has three catches in two games and no touchdowns since they traded a fourth round pick for him. Uh, and I mean, they're just they're just dudes. I mean, they've got regular defensive tackles. Nobody special at linebacker. You know. Their, their defensive backs are fine. Uh, they they were supposed to be this big weakness of the team, and I think they're actually not as bad as people think. Um, Did you just uh, say the Texans think, are not as bad as people think? Just the corners. Just corners. The, the corners. Uh, just the defensive backs. Like, uh, I think the defensive backs are probably NFL average when they were supposed to be the big weakness of the team. The big weakness of the team is the terrible offensive line and bad quarterback play. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a team that if you let them sack your quarterback, you know, five or six times and you can't do anything on offense, then it's going to be really hard to stop them because Hopkins is just going to get a million push-offs and never going to get called. It's a pretty accurate assessment. <laughs> they're, yeah, their defensive backs have actually really outplayed probably expectations. Um, one of their rookies, Justin Reed from Stanford, uh, he's been really good. Him and the Honey Badger and Kareem Jackson ha- have been really good at just stabilizing uh, that pass defense. So, J.J. Watt, I want to talk about him because last time the Titans met the Texans, we talked about how J.J. Watt was done and how he's not good anymore. And now he has 10 sacks through 11 games, and he's probably going to be a pro bowler, if not a defensive player of the year candidate. Well, okay. <laughs> he has he has eleven sacks actually. Eleven, but excuse um, me. That uh, that was Will that said that. I did not. Say yeah, that. that's I, full, full credit. Yeah, I love JJ Watt. I've always been a supporter of his. So, yeah, I still he's not I even still, the best Watt. Like 
TJ is a better pass rusher than him right now. Like, you, this is your hill to die on. Why? Sound like Skip Bayless right now. <laughs> <laughs> they both have ten sacks. Like if we're talking about pure sack numbers, like TJ Watt is probably playing. I don't know if he has less around him in terms of you know clownies on the other side for the Texans, but I mean either way, like. I think what did Watt get like three sacks against Eric Flowers, who was then cut the next week and then never like and then played with her time by the Jaguars. Like, I mean, he he beat one of the worst offensive tackles in football so badly that they finally cut him. And and he's been been good. Like, I'm not going to fight that. He's definitely been good now that he got back into rhythm. But don't forget that he played 20 pass snaps against Blaine Gabbert with uh who are the offensive tackles taylor merits and <laughs> taylor uh, merits and pamphile pamphile and he got zero sacks so i mean it wasn't crazy he got the, one pressure it was even he, worse yeah he got one so like for for you know as crazy as it sounds now that he's gotten 10 sacks against nobodies and he's gotten back in a rhythm that there was a time not so long ago when he looked washed as washed could be so I mean, I stand by that take then, and now I'm going to say he looks like a different player, and I think both of those are right. I will say he made a pretty big impact in the run game uh, when he when they when he played the Titans. Uh, he was knifing through the line uh, a good amount of time, so I'll give him that. But in terms of pass rush, uh, he didn't do anything in that game. Uh, although I'm expecting, I'm not expecting that to happen again, considering the state of our offensive line. Uh, and this being a home game in Houston. So, um, what do the Titans need to do in this game? Because they're coming off of a stinker where they didn't do anything right, and Matt LaFleur's game plan was kind of horrific. How do you attack the Texans on both sides of the ball? Probably run another fake punt, maybe get a touchdown, uh, end up winning by three points. It's probably our best hope at this point. If Blaine Gabbert plays, they're not going to win. Now, granted, I mean, Mariota's well, probably going to well, play. But Blaine Gabbert's one to know in his last, uh, I don't know, forty-five years against ever since he was with the Jaguars. Also, two and zero this season because the Jaguars game technically counts. The so worst. He's pretty, he's pretty much the best quarterback in the league. So I don't appreciate you talking about him like this. No, but seriously, if Blaine Gabbert plays, we, we're done, so there's no chance. He so... Even though we beat them once, he looks way worse than he did in that game. You know, watching and... him during training camp throwing against, like, nobody, I'm thinking, like, you know, I can totally see why this guy was, uh, was a first-round draft pick. I mean, he's got the big arm. He moves very well, prototype size. And then he actually starts playing, and I'm like, oh, that's why he was a bust. Because he's the most erratic quarterback I've ever seen. Like Castle, he just couldn't throw the ball. He like it wasn't like he was erratic. He made fine decisions. He just had no arm strength. Gabbard's just erratic. Like that Darius Leonard interception. I was gonna say we didn't even talk about that in the preview episode, but that was one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. He literally threw it right at Darius Leonard, who was just standing in front of him. Um, and I thought it was pretty funny when they asked him about it in in the post game, and he was like, "Yeah, I threw it right at him." It's like, yeah. okay, well, that's good accountability, <laughs> I guess. It's like, oh, good, you did admit it at least. That's yeah. Funny. So, um, was the question what we needed to do to win this game? That was yeah. the original. 
Um, I, I Corey Davis needs to take over. Just I agree. Like have have like an a hundred fifty yard, ten catch, two touchdown performance. And against these corners, I don't, I don't think that's that far fetched. Yeah, granted they've played better, but I don't, I don't. They haven't really faced that many good receivers. I don't think over, over the last couple weeks. So, um, uh, Davis has been good. The problem has been getting him the actual ball. Uh, it it will be easier if Mariota plays. Um, but if not, we're probably going to see a lot of design screens and all our downfield passing, uh, which can make this a really just a tough watch. And 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 it's in it's on Monday night, so everyone's going to see it. <laughs> Yeah, Owen, uh, Owen, Corey Davis, uh, and Blaine Gabbert. Don't forget that that was a game where uh, Blaine Gabbert threw him that pass, and he just stiff armed whoever it was into mm-hmm. like hell, like just put him ten feet under. Like, yeah. Um. So I mean, they may try to go that way. And honestly, like, I, I love Mariota, but it doesn't really matter who's throwing the ball to Corey Davis. Like Corey Davis catches passes that are behind him. He catches passes that are low. I mean, the only passes he really doesn't always come up with is when he's sandwiched between two guys and he gets contact. Other than that, like, he's pretty consistent, you know, no matter where the ball is plucked. Um, So if they're going to pass it, I would be shocked if it wasn't some sort of screen action with Corey Davis on an actual, like, route. But that's that's if the Titans decide to call, you know, a game plan that's worth a damn instead of just Googling random nonsense. But – uh, the other thing they need to do is they need to actually get pressure on a quarterback and sack him. You know, it was good what they did to Brady. It was terrible what they did to Luck. Now they've got Watson, who's one of the most skittish quarterbacks in the pocket and who loves to run away to try to buy time. You know, force him off his spot and get contact on him. You know, you're playing the worst offensive line in football beside the Titans. And, you know, you get a chance to, to pressure a quarterback who makes bad decisions anyway – why? If there's ever a game where you're saying, okay, I'm going to send middle linebackers. I mean, you're not worried about their tight ends. You're really just worried about one of their receivers. You know, I trust Logan Ryan to play Demarius Thomas well. I I, I don't love Adoree Jackson on Hopkins, but that's because I don't love anybody on Hopkins. He's one of the top three or four receivers in football. So, you know, even if you think about it like that, the best way to stop that isn't going to be to double cover because Hopkins is just going to push off on the curl route and get 10 yards free anyway. It doesn't matter if you have a safety over the top or not. The best way to stop that is to get pressure right in Watson's face and make him find another target on the run. Yeah, and the Houston O-line has been really bad just all year. Watson's been under duress in pretty much every single game. Except for the Dolphins game, I, I, they well the Dolphins defense was just it was decimated, so I, I don't think we could really use that one as a point of reference. But yeah, he's been under a lot of pressure pretty much every game, um, and, and it's a reason their offense has kind of struggled over the past couple of weeks. So if you can get a pass rush, which hasn't happened, it didn't happen last week, um, and it, ha- it hasn't happened in a couple of games um, this year. But but if we could just at least get some pressure on him. Uh, we should we should be fine in terms of containing their offense. So, so obviously the Texans have a, a bevy of very talented receivers. Last time that they played the Titans, Will Fuller was in the mix. He had a long touchdown against uh, against Malcolm Butler. Fuller out, Demarius Thomas in. 
Thomas presents kind of a different challenge than Fuller. At this point in his career, he's more of a nifty, good route runner, possession receiver. So how, how did the Titans attack these guys? Because I think Logan Ryan is probably the best option to cover DeAndre Hopkins. And you put a Dory Jackson on maybe Demarius Thomas. I don't know. Dory Jackson struggled last week against T.Y. Hilton. So what do you do? Yeah, Dory really struggled. Um, but he's fantastic against Josh Gordon. So I'm not sure if they don't just want to stick him on. Actually, hmm, I'm not sure because Demarius is kind of he's kind of bad. He he really hasn't been good since since coming to Houston. Uh, he Did just put, doesn't do have the Butler speed. On Thomas? Yes, that was yeah. even a hot take. Yeah. but yes, because you can't have Butler on Kiki Kuti. Like, and yeah. no. you can't have him on Hopkins. So the only person you can have him on is old, slow Thomas, who only has three catches in the past two games. I think that's a good matchup. I think that suits Butler. I think so, too, because Thomas has been kind of bad at the catch point. He's dropped a lot of passes. Um, so I think Butler could have a decent game. I know that's that's saying a lot because, you know, he just has been terrible all year. But um, I, I like Adore Jackson as a rebound, as kind of a bounce back. Uh, game for him in this one. Uh, I'm not sure who they're going to put him on. Do you got you think Logan Ryan's going to be on Hopkins? No, I don't think so either. I think they put a Dory on Hopkins. I think they showed a like philosophical change in their defense last week and the week before, where if Adore followed Ty and he followed Gordon, then you're probably going to keep doing that. And part of that is because Adore Jackson has been really good for the most part, except for that last game. And Malcolm Butler has been really bad. So why not dictate your coverage as I'm going to have this guy follow, I'm going to have our best guy follow their best guy. And that way, Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler can split the difference between the second and the third best guys. But I, I don't know. You can't always stay in man coverage with guys covering specific guys. It just, it very, very rarely works that way. But uh, you can shadow. And I think. I just think Adore Jackson probably will play better against Nuke Hopkins just because than he would against Kiki QT or anybody like that. Just because I think he's better with physical receivers because he can get physical too, um, as, as opposed to faster guys because he's he is really athletic. But straight line speed is something that he always gets praised for. He doesn't really have a ton of straight line speed. Like he's fast, but. I mean, he's not like going to outrun, obviously, T.Y. Hilton or uh, Will Fuller or any of those guys. Like, he doesn't have that straight line, like, true burner speed that those guys do. Like, that's not ever going to be anybody's matchup, but it's definitely not his. Like, he needs to play in confined space against bigger guys who he can kind of get in position and jump up and disrupt things. Uh, otherwise, you know, you run the risk of giving up an 80 yard bomb. Yeah, which is weird because I think we all probably assumed he would match up better with smaller, quicker guys. Um, but that really hasn't been the case, um, especially over the last two weeks since just Hilton killed him. And he did such a good job on Josh Gordon, who's a bigger, um, kind of slower receiver. So so that's interesting. Um, I, I think I think Lo- Logan Ryan's probably going to match up on QT. And I think that's uh, a good matchup. More- I think so too. Yeah, QT plays uh, a bunch of slot snaps. He's pretty much their slot receiver, uh, they, and they don't they don't use him deep. They, they they really just use him as as more of a possession guy, like intermediate range to short short routes. 
um, which I don't know why they use him like that. Uh, he's kind of he's a much better downfield threat than any of their other guys, so it's a bit weird. But um, I I really like that matchup for Logan Ryan. I don't think Kuti is is as refined of a route runner as some of the other guys. Ryan has seen this year, and Ryan's pretty much shut almost everyone down except for maybe Julian Edelman. But Edelman's just a monster. Um, and, and Kuti's been targeted 36 times. Uh, he's already dropped three passes. Um, and when thrown into his coverage, he, um, he, Watson's thrown two interceptions in his direction. So I, I really like that matchup for Logan Ryan in the pass defense. Yeah, and going back to Adore Jackson just a little bit, I don't know if I said this a week ago or not, but I could not have been less accurate on my pre-draft scouting report. And it it, it was right there in front of me. Like, he gave up two touchdowns to John Ross when they played. Yeah. And he, and he got burned by Will Fuller the year before when they played, but he was a really good corner all the rest of the games. So what that should have told me is that he struggles with speed and that he's really good against guys that he can just kind of stay in their hip pocket with because he's really disruptive. That's why he had so many pass breakups. I also thought he's going to be like an elite returner, and I don't think he's ever going to be that anymore. But, I mean, it, I thought he was going to be good in different ways and for different reasons, but – you know, the net result is the Titans still have a good corner and somebody who is definitely worth a first round pick. So, I mean, that that's great, but it all goes to the point that, you know, even though I think we all thought he would be betty, better against shifty, like speedy guys, it turns out he just might actually be the guy we want matching up with Hopkins. I don't know, man. I, you know, I kind Especially after what he did to Gordon, who's so big. But I think Hopkins is maybe more physical than Gordon. Like, Gordon is just a size-speed guy for the most part. Now he's, he's a good receiver. But Hopkins is more, like, going to fight for everything he gets. And I don't know that a Dory is good for that. Hopkins is also used way more in, like, the like the 12 to 15-yard range. Um, they don't really throw him deep passes all that often. Like, yeah, because like he's not a deep receiver. Um, he's an intermediate guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So hey, you might be right, but I still think that's our best setup just because Malcolm Butler's been – you just can't trust him on Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody in the NFL that's a good matchup for Hopkins because if it's a bigger guy who's more physical, they'll just throw a screen to him and get him in space, and he's not great in space, but he's – you know, he doesn't look like Kelvin Benjamin in space. Like that—that's the diff. That's what makes him such a great receiver, and Kelvin Benjamin just a regular dude. Is he's got his size and strength, but he also can do stuff after the catch and run through contact and stiff arm and run the boundary. Whereas there's not many people that can do that in the NFL. So, I mean, sure, maybe a guy like Patrick Peterson can do it. You know, but. I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I don't know anybody who's big enough and athletic enough to kind of stay with him through everything. Let me just say, it's uh, it's real nice that Will Fuller's not playing in this game. I mean, huh. but oh my God, their offense is just substantially better when he's out there. Um, over the last two games, they, they, they just simply haven't looked good. Uh, Watson hasn't looked good in particular. And they've only put up 19 and 23 points on the scoreboard. Um, and Watson's thrown three touchdowns to two interceptions. So definitely a plus for the Titans that he's not out there. Yeah. I mean, Will Fuller is the guy who's going to take over that mantle of Titans killer. Like the guy, yeah. 
you absolutely do not want to play ever, no matter what team he's on, because you know he's going to have, you know, seven for 120 and two touchdowns. Like, that's that's a minimum. Like, so, so it's, it's good that he's not playing, because I don't know who would match up with him. It would have to be a Dory, and then you'd get two different guys getting beaten. So that it's, that's good for the Titans. He's got four touchdowns in four games against us. No, yeah. he had one this year, two, two last year. He only played once against us, and then his rookie year, he played twice. In the first game, uh, caught caught seven passes for eighty-one, and then in that in that last game that I actually went to the Matt Castle game, he only caught twenty-four yards for three for for twenty-four yards, three catches. Oh man, yeah, it, I, I thought it was a lot worse than that, but yeah, and mm-hmm. he had that one special teams touchdown, which doesn't really oh, yeah. there, but it, it did right. the Titans a game. Is this a get right game for Mariota? Does it? I mean, if he plays, not, not if he's injured. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, no, but I mean, who this should be a get right game for is the offensive line, like. You know who you're going to have to block. You know you should know exactly what they're going to run because Vrabel will tell you what they run. You've seen them already once this year. You did a good job against them on the interior line. Now you've got both your starting offensive tackles back. Now you've just well, if stay- I'm standing in the interstate and I know that a semi is coming at me, it doesn't make it any less impactful. Right, but if you just stopped a semi with your bare hands two weeks ago and one was coming right at you, you you would be able to you could theoretically be able to stop it. But they didn't again. play Clowney like, last time. I mean, that's they true, also played bad Watt. I think I think Watt. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but I mean, they they did, but they also didn't have Lawan, who, no matter what the rest of the line is doing, is having a fine year. Like he's not, he might not be an All Pro guy, but he's probably still a Pro Bowl level left tackle, just because there's not many good ones out there. So, I mean, you've theoretically got a guy who can match up, and you've got a guy who's got a much better chance at right tackle and Conklin than most other people, even if he's struggling. So, I mean, I, I would much rather face this defensive line than Baltimore again. Hmm. I'm not sure about that. Baltimore had 11 sacks against us. Like, yeah, tough day at the office. <laughs> I mean, I guess the Texans <laughs> didn't have any. So it's like I that cannot so give weird, you two man. statistically different games. I don't understand how the Texans just didn't do anything in that game with their with their defensive line. Well, I don't. Vrabel, like I assume, had the book on him and knew exactly how they were going to do stuff, and said, "Look, you know, Watt likes to do this move," and he said, "You know, yeah. and this we teach our linebackers to play this technique, and this is a blitz they may call out of this front, and if we go." You know, three wide receiver sets. I expect him to come out in this. Like he should know their response to everything he's going to do defensively. Because Bill O'Brien's not going to change anything defensively. So it's just going to be Romeo Cornell, who he's coached with and worked with for, I mean, over a decade over his time in New England and with the Texans. So, I mean, he should know everything that's coming from that standpoint. So, I mean, there's going to be times when Clowney and Watt just beat. Lawan and Conklin, and there's going to be times where Lawan and Conklin just beat Clowney and Watt, but schematically, there should be no surprises. Like, there should, should be no surprise blitzes. 
We also had a really good game plan in that game, uh, just getting the ball out really quickly and getting the ball into into our playmakers' hands in space, um, something we, we haven't really seen. We really didn't see it last week. I don't know what the game plan was last week. But um, Lafleur has to has to call uh, an impressive game again if, if we're going to come away and with a victory. And that cannot ever involve giving the ball to Derrick Henry unless it is <laughs> the balls on the two yard line. And then he's money. Uh, that's true. Also, something uh, that you know we talked about but didn't really lump it in with that last conversation. Uh, Malcolm Butler allowed a touchdown to uh, both of the wide receiver Will Fuller and Hopkins in the last game, and those were the only touchdowns well, they the scored. The Hopkins one was... Yeah. Was I know it counts play. against him. But I it know it counts team. against him, but it was like over the middle of the field and Butler was on the side, so I, I wouldn't really count yeah, that against him. I mean, okay, I guess it, it did look like Butler just stopped for no reason, and you would like to think that a corner would just follow the number one option on the offense instead of just standing still. Like, So I get, I get that like it wasn't man coverage, but like when the quarterback's eyes are flowing, you you would expect him to not just stand still and let a receiver run right by him when he wasn't guarding anybody. So I guess that's my thought. But one of them was definitely a touchdown on him to Will Fuller. The point is, is that you know, I expect them to score some points, but you know, as long as Brabel keeps Butler away from uh, Hopkins, it shouldn't be as easy as it was last time. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Any any last thoughts on this game before we close out? Because, I mean, we've pretty much hit everything. I mean, we talked about Watson and the receivers and the D-line and the corners, and we, we know what the Titans are going to do. Uh, so earlier in the week I talked smack about the defensive line, so I fully expect somebody, like probably Daquan Jones, to come out and have a sack and a half or something and for me to look like a complete fool. But, you know, until that happens, I'm, I'm going to stick by my points. But this does seem like the perfect, you know, we talked about get-right games. It definitely seems like a get-right game for the pass rush who should be facing a terrible offensive line and a quarterback who's really skittish. Yeah, the, the only thing I ask of this team is, can you just, like, show some passion, show some identity on offense and defense? Like, well, what are we? we? We just seem like like a team that has zero uh, identity, zero trademark in terms of what they want to do on offense and defense. It really doesn't seem like we have an idea of any of that. Um, it'd be nice if we could see it against Houston. That's all I asked for. Yep. That's a lot to ask. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Well, we'll be back next week to recap this game. Uh, enjoy it, everybody. Don't forget that it's not on Sunday because I keep forgetting that myself. Um, again, I hope everyone had a good holiday. From Matias Wadner and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. We'll talk to everyone next week. All right, you've made it to the end. Here's our interview with Titans receiver and kick returner Darius Jennings. So from a schematic standpoint, what has allowed you guys to be so successful in the kickoff return game this year? Um, it's more of a one-two. More, I think more than scheme. You know, the guys, the guys up front, you know, they want to hold their blocks. They uh, want to make the, the big block and spring it. You know, and it's just my job to hit it downhill, man. 
you told me multiple times during training camp that you know even throughout all the times that you were waved and cut by other teams, you always expected that eventually it would work out. Does it surprise you at all that you go from you know not on a 53-man roster to now in a lot of people's eyes you're in Pro Bowl consideration for kickoff return? Uh, it doesn't shock me, you know, just because you um you gotta stay ready. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's a saying, you know, stay ready, so so you never have to get ready. So I mean, I'm just I'm just here to work every day. Do you ever take stop and take stock of, of how far you've come in the last few months? Nah, nah, you can't, you can't. And I mean, for me, like, I'm I'm right where I thought I would be. So it's it's not really just sitting back and, and reflecting like, wow, you've come so far. It's like, nah, like. I, I expected to be here. What challenges did Houston's defense present this week? You know what I mean? They're a division game. You know, um, we, we uh, played them early in the season already. So, you know, they uh, they kind of know us. We uh, know them. So just going out there, execute, you know, trying to stick to the game plan, you know, um, try try get another W. When you came in here, I guess, last year and you started to play with Marcus, what impressed you the most about his leadership style? Obviously, he's a quieter guy, but I mean, I know there's things he does to account for that. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, you know what I mean, he's quiet, but also he he instills confidence in everybody. You know what I'm saying? He goes, like, goes, goes, goes out there, performs, you know, put, puts himself on the line day in and day out. You know what I mean? Just, just that resiliency. Obviously, uh, Especially against you know Dallas, and then in the next game against New England, it really seemed like the offense was in a in a flow. I was talking to Delaney the other day, and he mentioned that Lafleur's system is one where it's harder to pick up, but once you pick it up, it, it's easier to run than some other systems. Do you feel that same way? Um, yeah, you know what I mean. Each, each, each system's going to have its schemes. You know, it's it's a wrinkles here and there. You know, I think I think we're just starting to click. You know. Um, we uh, didn't do so hot this, this this past week, so just just to try and get back on track, you know, um, and kind of get to full things how we did with the Cowboys and the Patriots. What's the key for you guys to avoid a repeat of the last game against Indianapolis or the game against Buffalo, and to get another time like New England or like Dallas? Yeah, um, just a trust in the process, um, sticking with our keys, just um, making sure we're going out there doing our one eleven and uh. Excuse the job ahead. Thanks again for watching, guys. Hope you had a great holiday. We'll see you guys next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.